we would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. I don't know if you tuned in and watched my little from our pastor this week or not, but if you have, you heard some of this then. I shared it then and then I retired it. Said, God, yeah, that's, that's the word for that day. And then I kept coming back to this for this morning. And this is about fasting, even though we've finished our fast. The question I want to ask you is why have we fasted? And I'm going to break that down with God's help through Isaiah 58. This is not going to be a lengthy sermon. It could be. It could be a whole series. And I'm like, Lord, why do I preach on fasting when we just finished fasting? Because I believe God has spoken so clearly in his word about why we should fast, how we should fast. And Isaiah 58 is very clear about that. If we can get that up on the screen, we're going to be going through most of that chapter today. But we're going to break it down. I'm going to read a portion of this and then I'm going to go back through it. But it says, cry aloud and do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgressions, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that, that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to me. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the days of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice be heard on high. Is such the fast that I have chosen, a day for a, per, for a person to humble himself? Is it, how, is, it, is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ash under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I have chosen? to loose the bonds of the wicked, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. It is not to share your bread. It is not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor, uh, homeless poor into your house. When you see the naked, to cover him, and not to hide yourself from your own flesh, then shall you shall your light break forth like dawn, and your healing shall spread or spring up speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear your real rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and He will say, "Here I am." If you take away the 
yoke from, from your midst and pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desires of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and steadfastly or satisfy your, your desires in scorched places and make your bones strong and, and you shall be like the water, water garden, like a spring of water whose water uh, does not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt and you shall rise up from the foundations of many generations. You shall be call, uh, called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. And I'm going to stop right there because he goes on to say turn back. It's another call, just turn back, turn back, turn back. And as I was like I said, going a whole nother direction this week. The Lord just kept hammering this chapter on and on and on in my spirit. And I feel like that's what we need to kind of break down today. And everything that's led up to this point that has been said or spoken or sung about is all about this. And, and, and I think you're going to hear it. The very first part of this says, cry aloud and do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgressions to the house of Jacob their sins. The question is, where have we fallen short in the world? Where are in, in, in the world, but in, not in the world, but in the church. Where has the church missed the mark? I, I want to share with you just real quickly that again, I have been preaching some hard stuff, and I realized that over the last few weeks, I have been preaching hard against sin in the church, sin in the household of, of, of God. Why? Because I'm telling you, God, he, he cannot use an unconsecrated vessel. He cannot use and will not use a vessel that is not submitted to his glory and submitted to his forgiveness and his cleansing and his power. And all of a sudden, Israel was prophesied to be a nation of priests, to be the light on this earth, pointing to the one true Messiah that was to come, Jesus. They missed that mark. They missed their calling. They did not fulfill their calling. As a matter of fact, they turned the Messiah over to be crucified and put to death. That's what Israel did with, with the hope or with their calling. But again, Isaiah is calling the people back. Now, now I, I shared his calling in chapter 6, but do you realize if you read about his calling, he said, you're going to preach to a people that are going to have a deaf ear. You're going to preach and not be heard, Isaiah. And, and how would you like that kind of calling? God, I'm calling you you to preach, but nobody's going to want to hear a word you say. I'm calling you to be my voice, but nobody's going to listen to you. They're going to try to kill you instead. And so, but instead, he says, What? Whatever it is, whatever the cost, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, whatever is ahead of me, whatever God you have in store, if it is to, to, to be uh, martyred for you, I'll be martyred for you. God, I accept that call with all of my heart because he wasn't ignorant about what Israel did to the prophets. Israel crucified, and, or not literally crucified, but they uh, tortured and they beat and they imprisoned their prophets time after time. And it was usually the political force that did it. Because as long as they prophesied good things, the kings were like, yeah, we love our prophet. But the moment they called the, the nation of Israel uh, uh, to repentance, all of a sudden they began to be, all right, you know, you're not who we want. You are not the voice of God. They imprisoned them, stoned them to death, murdered them, and killed them. I'm here to tell Tell you right now that has went on so much in the house of God. Whenever preachers get up and preach truth, if it's too hard, we got to have somebody a little easier. And I'm here to tell you, God is sick of it. 
God is sick of it. He is calling the church to repentance. And this right here, I'm here to tell you, if he did not uh, hesitate to call his beloved, the apple of his eye, Israel, to repentance, what do you think he's going to do with us? Paul broke it down this way, or Jesus did it this way. He said, if he spared not the natural branch, what do you think he's going to do to that which has been grafted in? In other words, God is saying to you and I, the church, that it is time for us to call sin, sin, wrong, wrong, repent of what's going on so that God can anoint us and use us to be a light in this world. In other words, we got to quit missing the mark. He goes on, he says, yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They asked me for righteous judgments. In other words, God, please come and fix our broken world. He goes on to say they delight to draw near me, but we're going to break that down separately. But he says, God, this is, God, come please fix our broken world. How many of us have been praying, God, please come and fix the situation in our nation. God, please come and fix what's broken in our society. God, please come and fix what's broken in the White House, broken in Congress, broken wherever. I'm here to tell you right now, break it on down to local government, whatever you want to say. I'm here to tell you that we as the people of God need to call sin, sin, wrong, wrong, and we need to begin to focus on what really matters in this hour. What really matters in this hour is that judgment begins with the house of the Lord and God is not judging us to hurt us. He's trying to get us to step up and step into the anointing and the calling that God has for us. He said they delight to know my ways. They delight to, 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 to seek my face daily. There's a lot of people having quiet time with God. There's a lot of people praying words to God. There's a lot of people worshiping. I'm going to tell you right now, the biggest fear I have is that a generation has come along that loves to worship worship. Come on. We love to worship worship, but when the preaching starts and the truth gets told, we begin to draw back a little bit. We begin to say, I don't know about that. Just tell me how good God is. Let me just sing about his glory. I delight in him. I love him, but I got other gods in my life that are more important. And so when it comes to hearing and being called out by, uh, into a, a relationship with him, being called out to come and to repent, folks, I'm going to tell you, the, the reason God is asking for repentance is he's ready to send revival. He's ready for us to not see it right now, but begin to see it. In other words, he says, what do you see? I love it when, 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 when Elijah was... was, was the servant of Elijah was saying, what's going on? He says, go look and see what you see. I see a cloud. And over, it hadn't rained for three years. Or, 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 yeah, three years, I think. He said, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. That's not the rain we're going to need. That's not what's coming. And I'm here to tell you, that's where it comes. It says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. Do not despise the moment that when we see a soul saved in this church, that it is a small beginning, but it can lead to a mighty hurricane of revival in this community. But that's going to happen when you and I humble ourselves before God and begin to say God whatever's in us that is not like you Lord God help us lay it aside quit kicking yourself over what you've done in the past uh, God would say that I've told people that all the time but you've got to quit doing it you've got to quit doing it if you want the blessings of the Lord to truly flow in your life will God forgive me every time I ask yes I believe he will but the truth is if I'm so busy trying to get forgiveness for myself all the time I'm not focused on the harvest that is rottening on the vine
They delight to draw near to me. They're near to their God. Oh, how I love to worship. Oh, how I love to worship. Worship. But there's more to it than that. Why have we fasted and not seen, and you not seen it? Verse 3. Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? This should be a fast. This fast. Come on. And I believe a lot of people. Look, Harvest's not the only church that does that, does this in the world uh, the first part of January. And we're not in this community the only church that fasts for 21 days. It's spread through this community. I thank God for that. But he's saying, why have we, the people of Israel said, why have we fasted and we see, not, see it not? In other words, why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? In other words, we're fasting, God, and we're seeking you, God, but we don't see nothing for it. We're not seeing anything happen. Well, he goes on to explain, this fast, in other words, God, it should force your hand to respond to what I'm asking about. This fast, God, should be manipulating you to do what you're supposed to do for us. That's what Israel was saying. This fast should shape us or, or, or make you uh, fulfill your promises to us. He goes on, he says, Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. If we're not careful, we'll fast for the wrong motives. That's what this is a warning about. We'll fast, we'll fast because we want God to fulfill. I want, I want to share something with you. He ain't your Santa Claus. He's not up there to fulfill your wish list. You can, they got that on Amazon. You can put a wish list. Amen. Reminds me of Peyton one time. He's had a, was it a birthday coming up, and Tina told him, said, well, just go through and put some stuff in the cart that you might like. How many thousands of dollars was it? I'm not kidding. I mean, thousands of dollars of stuff by the time he had everything that he would like. I think sometimes we make our wish list for God and then we fast a little bit and pray a little bit and say, okay, where is it? Where is it, God? Did I waste 21 days of not eating meat or not being on social media? Did I waste it, God? Because, Lord, you sure ain't done what I thought you'd do. And this is exactly what Isaiah is warning them about. He says, Behold, your fast, verse 4. You fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with wicked fists. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice be heard on high. He's saying because your motives are wrong. Because your motives are to receive gifts and blessings. You're not going to be heard. Because it's selfish. In other words, he's saying, if you've got selfish motives in your prayer life, if you've got selfish motives, in other words, I'm going to fast because that's going to force your hand, God, to do what I need you to do for me. Or I'm going to, let's take it on a corporate level, we're going to force you, God, to help us do what we think we should do as a church. So we're going to fast and pray, and Lord, you're obligated to do, Lord, for us what we ask. He says, no, because it's a, your motives are wrong. And when your motives are wrong in anything that you do that is good, it becomes wicked. Do you hear what I'm saying? When my motives are about self, it's not going to be heard. The wrong motives in fasting bring nothing. In other words, if you have been fasting for the wrong motives, you got hungry and thirsty for no reason. You should have just went ahead and ate. That's what he's saying. You should have just went ahead and not worried about talking to fast. 
He said, because you fasted out of your own selfish desires. You won't be heard, he says. There should only be one motive when we are fasting, and that is to draw closer to God. There should only be one motive. I I make my list, just like anybody else, of things I pray about and I fast about. I fast about my family. I fasted about our new building. I fasted about our people being closer to God. I fasted about a lot of different things, but I'm here to tell you, my number one motive in my fast this year has been this. God, I want to see you in the midst of the temple. I want to see you high and lifted up. I want to see you in my life, God, more than I've ever seen you before. God, I'm not fasting as a pastor. I'm fasting as a servant of you. I want you, God. I'm hungry for you, God. Verse 5 is about, it's not, in other words, It's not about the intensity, it's about our motives and our sincerity. Do you realize that? You can go liquids only, but if your motives are wrong, you just really put yourself through a lot of torture. You mean that whole 21 days I could have been eating steak? Yeah. If your motives were wrong. But when our motives are right, fasting's a wonderful thing. We'll get to that in a moment. Is such the fast, verse 5, that I choose a day for a person to humble himself. He's asking questions here. It is, it is to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ash under him. He says, is that what it is, it's about? Will you call this a fast and an acceptable, acceptable to the Lord? In this verse, we find what fasting is really about that it's about to follow. He's saying, look, it's not about your intensity. You can put sackcloth and ash. You can bow yourself low in the street or wherever. He's saying it is not about the intensity. Now, I will say this. If God is calling you to be a little more strict, yes, you better follow that. But if God is not leading you to do that, you better listen to what he is telling you to do. I love it when people look at me and say, oh, I can do that, and that ain't nothing. Or I can do that, Pastor. I can go without that, Pastor. And I'm like, then you know what? Your motive's wrong. Your motive's wrong. We have to have the right motive. In other words, he's saying you can humble yourself in sackcloth and ash. You can bend down like a reed. But you, will you call this acceptable to the Lord? In this verse, he talks about what it really means. Verse 6, he said, Is not this, this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of the wicked, to undo the straps of yoke, uh, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. Through the prophet, God asks a question and then explains the very reasons behind the fast. In other words, the very first thing he asks, he says, this, is this not what I've chosen? Not what you have chosen, but is, is this not what I have chosen? That, that people are set free. That you're fasting, that yokes might be broke. Look, I, I, in other words, if you are battling a habitual sin in your life that is holding you back from being the man or the woman of God that he wants you to be, he's saying you ought to be fasting, that that yoke might be broken in your life once and all and for all, that you're no longer chained to the sin that so easily besets you, as Paul would declare. But you've laid it aside and you're saying, God, the reason I'm fasting is I'm wanting to be free of this thing once and for all. Maybe it's your temper. Maybe it's your attitude. Come on. Maybe it's, it's sin in your life that you think you're hiding and you're not hiding it. Not as well as you think. I love it when people think, you may not have known why I was doing this. Yeah, I do. Everybody does. You put it on Facebook. 
kind of like some of the youth when me and Tina was doubling as pastors and youth pastors. <laughs> we talked to them about stuff going on. They'd be like, God must have told you. I said, no, you did. You tell us all the time on Facebook. You know, if you're going to go party and drink, don't post the pictures. <laughs> How did you know? God's wanting to use you. God is wanting to use you for more than what you think. For more than what you think. He said, I've, this is the fast I've chosen. What is the fast that I've chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness. Again, he is talking about his people. He's not talking about the world. The world is wicked. We know that. But he is talking to what the very first verse says, I'm calling out, I'm calling out the house of Jacob. I'm calling out Israel. So this is all dealing with Israel. This is not dealing with the world. We know the world is broken. We know the world needs fixing. But oh, that the church would begin to admit it needs to be fixed. It needs repentance. It needs forgiveness. It needs to find an altar and let some hot tears stain the wood again to seek the face of God. When's the last time you really sought God for your own forgiveness? And you say, but I'm saved. Well, good for you. But there are things in my life since I have been saved that have fallen short of the glory of God. You can call it a mistake. You can call it a shortcoming. You can call it a bad habit. I'm going to call it what the Word says. is Those who know to do good, and do it not it is sin and it is time for the church to call sin sin and come to the Lord and say God I come to the cross again and I ask you once more cleanse me purify me take me back to my first works so that I can have a fresh anointing in my life for the year 21 and that I can see breakthrough oh God help us through the prophet of God he asks a question, then explains the real reason. Verse 7, he said, this is why. It is not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. In other words, what he's saying in this is, you think you're going to be doing good works and that's going to impress me. He didn't say not to do those. He's just saying, if you're, if, again, it's all about motive. It's all about motive. If you're going out here and feeding the homeless, but your language is like trash on the internet, you have sold your testimony. And you have sold. Though we were not called to talk and to communicate in this world like the world. And I'm going to tell you very plainly, you won't represent harvest and have that kind of language. Why? You being judgmental? No, I'm saying we're going to be a representation of him. Amen. I'm going to represent him, not just with a t-shirt, not with a bumper sticker or a good welcome mat. I'm going to represent him in my actions and my words and my deeds. Come on, church. Because how we communicate does matter on this earth. How we speak does matter on this earth. And if we talk and act like the world, then they're going to look at us and say, if that's a Christian, I don't need it. I'll just keep on being what I'm being and doing what I'm doing. Amen, Pastor.
Verse 8, then shall your light break forth like the dawn. We all admit this world's covered right now in darkness. This country is covered in darkness, and we need the light of the Lord. He goes on, he says, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Speedily. I, I hear a lot of people saying, I heard a man declare yesterday, get vaccinated and in 2022 we'll have a healthy nation and we'll get back to normal. I got news for you. I know something greater than what goes in a syringe that can be stuck in your arm and it's the stripes that covered the back of Jesus Messiah God who came to this earth who said it is by my stripes that you are healed and I'm here to tell you I still believe in healing. I still believe in the power of the cross. I still believe that God can take any sickness, any disease, disease and he can heal it in an instant and I believe he can heal this nation physically as well as spiritually if God's people will have the right motives and your healing, healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness, your, your obedience shall go before you. In other words, he's saying, if you're going to see healing come, come quickly, then you need to be an obedient person. Amen? Obedient to the Spirit. And you know what? God, if you just step out on faith, you say, well, being obedient, what if I, the Lord tells me to do something and I go, God, the Lord's never going to tell you to do something evil. It doesn't take a lot of great discernment. But to pick up the phone and call somebody and encourage them, all you're showing is love. Show some love. Obey the Lord. Learn to listen to Him. Then he says in verse 9, you shall call and the Lord will answer. How many want Him to answer them? How many want him to answer him? You shall cry and he will say, here I am. I love it because all in that song we were talking about, here I am, here I am, and God is saying, guess what? You can declare that, but here I am, the Alpha, the Omega. Here I am, the Jesus, the Messiah of your soul. Here I am, the healing of the land. Here I am, everything you need. Here I am. He says when our motives are right, when we're fasting for the right purposes and the right reason, God will declare his self. He'll say, here I am. Here I am. Then shall you call and the Lord will answer and you shall, you shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the spreading of wickedness. He's talking to people of God. He's saying, quit being a part of the problem and start being a part of the solution. I'm going to tell you now, I didn't vote for him, but I'm not putting a t-shirt saying on he's not my president for the next four years. Instead, I'm on my knees praying, God, help Joe Biden. God, get a hold of him. God, meet with him in his dreams. God, shake him to his core. Save him. Save him. Let him have clarity of mind. You better hope he keeps his mind. You better hope. You better look what's behind him. Mm. These verses that I just read describe what breakthrough is all about. <laughs> That's breakthrough. That's breakthrough. If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desires of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be made as noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy you, your, your desire in the scorched places. Oh my goodness. And make your bones strong. 
and you shall be like a watered garden. How many want to be like a watered garden? Oh my goodness, can you tell the difference? When somebody's, you know, I've, I've seen people who garden, I've seen people who are the death angel to plants. Come on, anybody in the house a death angel to plants, okay? You know, you get a beautiful plant and it's just a matter of time. Tina likes to put <laughs> potted plants on, her, on the porch. And she's like, I, I, they die. And she goes, well, nobody watered them. And I said, but I had a disclaimer, I won't be the one doing that. Well, I'm too busy. Well, I'm too busy too, so put something silk. On that don't die. She does real good with the inside plants. <laughs> that front porch is the plague. We don't ever go there. Even though I almost burned somebody up with fireworks there once, Mitzi. They come over for the 4th of July and I set off a, I don't know, bottle rocket and it went <laughs> like that and shot right at the Mitzi. So I never liked her anyway. So anyway, just kidding. <laughs> She knows better. I want to be a watered garden. The church needs to be a watered garden in a dry and scorched nation. Come on. But when they see a dry and scorched place here, Michael, they ain't going to come here. When they come here and all they see is dry and death and all they see is gloom and despair, all they see is us communicating the same way the world communicates, if all they do is see us just talking about how it would be better if Trump had won, it would be better if we had a Republican this, and it would be better if we were more conservative as a nation, it would be better, it would be better, it would be better. They need to come to this place and this should be neutral ground where what they find here is not a man being lifted up, but Jesus being lifted up, Jesus being promoted, and they come in and they go, hey, I like this place because it's an oasis in the midst of a scorched land. It's a place of, a, of life. It's a watered garden. And in that watered garden, there's plenty to eat. In that watered garden, there's fruit of the Spirit on the vine. In that, and I've got news for you. If you want the gifts of the Spirit to operate in the church, the fruit of the Spirit's got to be there first. Because if you don't have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, temperance, I'm here to tell you, God's gifts are not going to operate in somebody where the fruit is not present. Because if the fruit isn't present and the gifts were to operate in that person, arrogance and pride will come into them. And that will destroy them every time. Oh, how we need the gifts of the Spirit to operate. And you shall be like a water garden, like a spring of water, oh God help us, whose waters do not fail, and your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt, and you shall rise up from the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of the streets to dwell in. We need some people to begin to repair the breach this year. And you know what? There's some of us that know people who are church hurt. You know why their church hurt? Because their eyes were on scorched land. They didn't find a fertile garden. They didn't find a spring of life. Instead, they got scorched by what was scorching around. And so they've wrote church off the list. I've got news for you. And some of us, God help us, have wrote them, me included, off the list. 
saying, you know what? They're just going to do what they're going to do. They don't care nothing about church and they're so hard-headed, you can't reach them. I've got news for you. When you begin to fast, that God would bring the fruit in your life and make you that watering well, to make you that spring of life, God's going to begin to move in their lives to the point where they look and they say, okay, I'm tired. I'm tired of, uh, of nothing but scorched earth. I'm tired of dry land and I see nothing but fertile gardens in you. What's the difference? Well, I'm going to tell you the difference is I haven't found the church. I've found Jesus. I've found the source of life and I've got the right motives about why I go to church now. If you come to church because you want to worship with perfect people, you better leave right now. This fractured world needs the repairing of the breach. What is a breach? It's a fracture. It's a wall that has been, a, a, a battlements that's been broken open. I got news for you. Hell has broke into the church. But I want to give you some good news today as we end this. Jesus said, upon this rock to Peter, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'm going to tell you, I have watched the gates of hell prevail against a lot of churches. Come on. I have watched it happen in this church at times. And you know why that's happened? It's because we didn't build on the right thing. We didn't build on the right thing. What is the right thing to build on? I'm glad you asked, Brad. I'll tell you. But the right thing to build on is what he was telling Peter. Peter was not the rock. He was telling Peter his, his revelation was the rock. What was his revelation? He said, flesh and blood. He said, who do men say that I am? He said, the word on the street is that you're one of the prophets come back to life or maybe even Elijah. And he says, but who do you say that I am? I believe there was dead silence for a moment. And then this man that gets a lot of bad rap, this man that will stumble, I'm going to tell you, God would rather have you stumble and sink a little bit and keep on going for him and deny him and keep on getting back up again than he does the ones that stay silent and hide in the background like the other 11. Peter speaks up, and I don't know if he did it with boldness or not, Jacob. I think he may have went. I got something. <laughs> you are the Christ. The son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed to this. You didn't find it in the, in the Torah. You didn't find it in those writings, flesh and blood. There's no way you would have saw it. You would have been seeing like the Pharisees if you trusted only in the law. But my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. What was he saying? He was saying, Jesus, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he says, blessed are you because my Father has revealed this to you. And he says, and upon this rock, upon this revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In 21, I'm going to tell you what harvest is going to do. If God has to take us down to 10 to build us on the foundation of a revelation of who Jesus is so that we can be the kind of church we're supposed to be, then it's going to 
to just happen that way because I got news for you. It ain't on the numbers for me. It's about people that understand who Jesus is, that that relationship, that understanding that I'm not I'm not following a mother goose rhyme or a fairy tale. I'm not making up cunningly devised fables about him. I'm not, I've not been duped. I've not been sucked in. There was a man born of a virgin. His name was Jesus. His name was Emmanuel. His name was the Messiah God. He walked on this earth for 33 years. He ministered for three of those years. He made the lame to walk, the blind to see. He made the dumb to speak and the deaf to hear. He cleansed the lepers. He forgave sins of the audacity of this man to forgive sins. He was ridiculed by the religious. He was punished and crucified by the political forces of that day. But I'm here to tell you, hell could not prevail against him because on the third day, he walked through the gates of hell before he walked through the empty tomb and he said, the keys to death, hell and the grave are mine. Now I give them to those who have a revelation of who I am. I'm so sick and tired. I grew up in a generation. Get a vision of the church. That's what we were taught. Get a vision of the church. And at 18, I fell on my face in a college dorm room and said, I don't want a vision of the church. It's ugly. I want a vision of you. Isn't that what Peter did? I don't want a vision of this religion. I want a vision of you. And God said, that's my son. That's my son. Will you stand? Oh, my goodness. The breach cannot be repaired. The breach cannot be repaired without revelation. The church needs a fresh revelation of Jesus. I don't need none of that wildfire. I got news for you. Some of y'all just need a match. I don't know. Come on. I can't believe he said that. Then I'm talking to you. Or the Spirit is. You talk to any of our officers that come to this church. Evil is on the rise in this county. That doesn't bother me. Oh, it don't bother you? Uh-uh. Because where hell, Brian, where hell's getting stirred up, hell's going to fight. And I'm here to tell you, if everything was going like roses in this county, that means the church is sleeping. <laughs> but because the church is waking up slowly, but it's waking up. It's waking up. And get ready because there's going to be some wildfire out there. There is. And it's going to deceive some people. You better be grounded in this book. And I got news for you. The Holy Spirit gives visions and dreams to be interpreted through the Scripture. You better be careful who you yoke with. In your journey. There's a deceptive spirit that will always come. It's called this anti-Christ. The opposite of Christ. Amen. 
you better be grounded in the book, the word, and see clearly through the lens of the spirit. I've heard people say, boy, the first service got it good and the second service got ripped off and the vice versa. I'm going to preach as hard as I can preach to whoever God gives me the opportunity to preach to. But the very first part of this verse says, sound the trumpet. I'm just trying to sound the trumpet, the trumpet of warning. It's time to be the repairers of the breach. The walls that hell has not through, hell has no authority here. You hear what I'm saying? And where there's real revelation, the Bible says, and the gates of hell shall not, cannot prevail against it. If we don't want the church to prevail, or the hell to prevail against the church, our revelation must be of him. Amen. Don't get a revelation of Pastor Phil. That'll let you down every time. Don't get a revelation of the praise and worship. That'll let you down every time. Get a revelation of who he is. Don't get a revelation of Michael Lee. That'll let you down. I love him. But Michael, I guarantee you, it'll let you down. Man will let you down. Man will fall short. But God will always be the God he promised he would be if we trust in him. If we get a revelation of him. I want us to, I don't, I'm not doing some hidden altar call. I think some of us are ready to move and we've been holding back. I'm just going to ask us to come and find a place to pray. No strings attached today to get a revelation of Him, to make sure our motives are right. You say, well, I fasted all this time and you're telling me I wasted it. That's what I'm getting out of this. No, you didn't waste it. Just recorrect your motives right now. Come to this altar and say, God, the things I pushed away, the things I did. And guess what? Some of us, you're sitting here and you decided, you know what? I think fasting, I didn't do it, but I think I might need to start doing a little bit of that this year. I got news for you. We all need to do a little bit of that continually throughout this year. What does fasting do? It realigns me with the motives of God, with the purpose of God, not my own purpose, not my own will, so that I can kneel and pray even if the cross awaits me and say, Father, I want the cup to pass. That's my motive. But Lord, that's what our Savior did. I want the cup. That's my motive is that I don't go through the cross. My motive, God, to pray right now is that this cup pass from me. But I love what Jesus said. He did what? He said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Nevertheless, God, my motive is to see me not have to suffer and die on a cross. My motive is to, to, to just go back to my throne, God. To go back to you. To be back with you, Father. That's my motive. But instead of my will being done, let your will be done so that the earth might have a relationship with you. Whatever you want, I want, God. And that moment in the garden was a realigning of God's will, or God the, God the Son with God the Father. Do you hear what I'm saying? And he gets up from that altar. And I'm telling you, after the third time, took him three times to pray that. 
And after that third time, he gets up from the altar and he walks out. And there stands Judas with a crowd. And he kisses him on his cheek. And he goes, Judas, you're going to betray me with a kiss. They seize him at that moment. I want you to know something. He came there. I don't think he, he batted an eye at that moment, Jim. I don't think he shrieked a little bit. I don't think there was a bit of terror in him. He had resolved himself at the altar that the will of the Father was going to take place. And so he walked to the cross. He looked Pilate in the eye. And when I, and Pilate said, I've got the power to take your life. He said, no, you don't. No man has power over me. I'll lay my life down and I'll pick it up again. I'm here to fulfill the will of him who sent me. Why? Because I prayed about it. And I let go of my motives for his. My intentions are now his intentions. My purpose is now his purpose. Harvest will we align ourselves with the purpose and plan of God. I'm going to pray. You want to join me at this altar? Join me at this altar. I got to do some business with God. I'm going to pray. Amen. We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you would like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.